Well, we are finally here, 2021, and uh, it's just so good to, uh, to be here. We know that just because uh, the, the calendar says uh, January 1, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything negative that happened in 2020 is just magically disappears, but it does represent an opportunity. As we start this new year, we have an opportunity to define the direction that we go in 2021. And I don't, I don't know if any of you made New Year's resolutions this year. I personally did not. They say it takes about six weeks to form a habit. And it takes me about two or three days to fail at them. So uh, I save myself the energy and the, and the grief and the time. And I simply uh, don't make them. Um, I, I guess you could say that I've become uh, conditioned to just simply accept the, the status quo. But I, when you made a New Year's resolution and it stuck with, and you stuck with it, and obviously it can't be this year, we're only three days into the new year, but think of a time in the past where you made a New Year's resolution and you stuck with it. What did you do differently? What made you successful? I'd love for you, and even in the chats right now, to, to just share uh, what you did different. What made your commitments? If you're looking for help in sticking to your New Year's resolutions, I do have an idea for you. Uh, I don't know if any of you watch Shark Tank. My wife and I watch it religiously. Um, it's basically a show where people invent products, and then they bring them before these billionaire investors, and they try to get these investors to, uh, to buy into their business, to buy into their, their product. Now, one episode about four years ago, a gentleman came into uh, the show with a, uh, a device called the Pavlock Shockwatch. Uh, now, the idea of this watch is, is basically when you go to uh, grab another cigarette or when you go to grab a, a piece of cake or, or any other uh, bad habit that you want to get rid of, you reach it down to your Pavlock shock watch and you push a button on the watch and it shocks you. They call this aversion therapy. Now, as he's explaining how it works, one of the investors just looks at him and blurts out, you are ridiculous. You're a con artist. This is absolutely ridiculous. And then it all went downhill from there. And he doesn't end up getting a deal. Uh, with the investors that day, but that was four years ago. And since then, he has sold thousands of these watches. They did an update a few years ago on his business, and he has boasted 10,000 new users. That was two years ago. 10,000 new users since he appeared uh, on the show that day. So evidently, it is working for some people, or at least they think it is working for them. Uh, I just uh, uh, read the other day that he came out with a second version of the Pavlock Shockwatch. Now, if the first version shocks you, I, I, I can only imagine what the, what the second version will do to you. And I really don't want to find out. But people are desperate to break their bad habits. I don't know if it works. I have my doubts. Uh, maybe some of you have a Pavlock shock watch. Maybe you want a Pavlock shock watch now. Maybe. I, I personally don't. I don't think that going into 2021, I want to uh, have more uh, pain in my life. 
So I'm going to avoid the Pavlock shock watch. I'll let you decide for yourself whether you want to try it out or not. But what has worked for you? What has been truly transformative for you? I don't know what will help you break your bad habits. But I am convinced that the only thing that can transform us spiritually And when I say transform, I literally mean change our hard wires. I am convinced that the only thing that can do this is daily repentance in the presence of Jesus. I am convinced of this. I'm convinced that scripture teaches us this. I'm not great at it, but I am convinced that it's true. And you need to know that that repentance is different from forgiveness. Forgiveness is Christ's atonement for our sin. Our sin is no longer counted against us. That's forgiveness. Repentance is a conscious decision on our part to walk away from sin and into the presence of Jesus. One of my favorite stories of transformation in Scripture is in Mark chapter 2. It's a massive crowd of people that are gathering at this house just to hear Jesus speak. And while he's speaking, this paralyzed man is brought to him on a, on a stretcher, on a mat, carried by four of his friends. And they, they couldn't get to Jesus because the crowd uh, was so large. They weren't social distancing. So they uh, climb up on the roof and they drag him up onto onto the top of the roof and they cut a hole in the roof and they lower him down right in front of Jesus. What What an awesome, beautiful display of faith. And I, I would love for you in, in, in this moment, in the next couple of moments, just to share in the chat what are some things in your life or maybe people in your life that you believe in so much that you would do absolutely anything for. Go ahead and share that in the chat this morning if you have some of those things to share. So Jesus, knowing there are are teachers of the law present, he looks right at this man and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now the Pharisees say to themselves under their breath, This man is blasphemous. How in the world could he forgive people's sins? And they don't even have to say a word out loud because Jesus knows exactly what they're thinking before they even speak a word. And this is his response. He says, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus wasn't trying to show them up. That wasn't his goal. I believe he was seizing an opportunity to draw even some of the harshest of his harshest critics and unto himself. 
We, we don't have an account of the response of the teachers of the law after this happens. All we have is verse 12, and it says, This amazed everyone, and they praised God. I think some of the teachers of the law that day believed. The text doesn't tell us that. Um, that's just what I think. But, I mean, how could you not? How could you witness that and not believe? Why do we settle? Why do we so often settle for something so much smaller than what Jesus wants to give us? Why are we okay being on the fringe of the crowd? Getting just a little dabble of what Jesus wants to offer us. Instead of tearing a hole in the roof and finding ourselves in the presence of Jesus every single day day. Why do we settle? My hope and my prayer for you and for me and for each of us in 2021 is that it wouldn't just be a year of physical transformation, uh, that it wouldn't just be the year that the pandemic goes away, that it wouldn't just be the year that uh, we get to gather together again in person and we get to give hugs and, and, and all of that stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, I hope for those things. I, I, I believe those things are going to happen and I want them to happen. But I think Jesus is calling each of us individually to something greater in 2021. I think that he's also calling us as a church corporately into something greater in 2021. But to get there, we have to be able to see the breadth and the depth of the kingdom that is right before our very eyes. We're spending too much time on the fringe of the crowd. We're not proactively putting ourselves in the presence of Jesus daily. And until we are willing to do that, the richness and the vastness and the greatness of what Jesus wants to offer us will be lost on us. Jesus spent an incredible amount of time telling stories, trying to get people to expand their imaginations and see a more complete, a more full, a more accurate picture of the kingdom of God. But too many people were content with the status quo. They were content with their, their small idea of, of, of a Messiah. They were content with their political systems and their power structures that were conflated with their faith and their belief system. And they were content showing up just enough to be associated with Jesus. They settled for so much less than what Jesus wanted for them. And church, I have to tell you, it's no different today. It is absolutely no different today. We settle all the time. God wants to give us so much more. Relationships are being destroyed by what we believe politically. And that's in the church. I don't care if you're, you're a Democrat or Republican. I, I don't doesn't matter if you're a Trump supporter or not Trump supporter. It doesn't matter. None of that even matters. Can I just tell you that God's kingdom is so much bigger than any political structure or any political belief that you could have that it's not even funny. 
And I'm not, I'm not telling you what to believe politically. I'm just simply telling you to believe that God's kingdom is so much more significant. We settle for, for a transactional version of church. We, we become so conditioned by society to be transactional that we do it in church too. Our, our society has taught us well how to be consumers. Church has become our supermarket for faith. We've gotten so used to asking questions like, what can church do for me? What can I get out of it? What can God do for me? Those questions by nature are all transactional. It's not, it's not that it's wrong to ask those questions. It's just that the benefits of asking those questions are limited. Those are questions you ask when you're on the fringe of the crowd. Not when you're fighting your way through a hole on the roof just to get into the presence of Jesus. We should be asking questions like, how can I see God more fully in my life? What can I do to see more of Jesus? What can I do to get others in my life to see more of Jesus? Jesus doesn't want to be associated with us. Jesus wants to change us. And he wants to change others through us. We are not transformed by something that God gives us. Transformation comes from continually being in the presence of, of Jesus. We are different not because of something we receive. We are different because of something that we give. Do you see the difference? This is the, the difference between forgiveness and transformation. You can be forgiven and not be transformed. When we just settle for forgiveness, man, we are missing out. So many people in the crowd that day were forgiven, but they left unchanged because they never fought to be in the presence of Jesus. I think many of us settle for a transactional version of faith rather than a proactive one. I think many of us wait until something not so great happens and then we ask, what can God do for me? Much of our prayer life is simply asking God for things. And again, it's not wrong to ask God for provision. God provides, but God wants so much more for us than that. He wants to do so much more for us than that. He wants a deep, intimate relationship. We show up to church on Sundays because it feels good to be in the presence of God and we need a pick-me-up. And then after the service is over, we walk out the door and we leave the presence of God for a week. Sometimes two. We know we make mistakes, so we come to God for forgiveness, which he freely gives us. But that doesn't change us because forgiveness doesn't equal transformation. Only daily repentance in the presence of God. We've talked a lot this past year about our Frank lists. Um, we talked a lot about blessing your neighbor. Um, essentially, uh, how to put ourselves in position 
so that, that God can use us to draw men unto himself. Uh, because we believe the Great Commission is very clear. We, we believe that we want to embody that as a church and watch our loved ones and those around us come to faith. That is, in essence, the kingdom-building work that Jesus has called us to. This is the, the mission of Jesus. This is the Great Commission. But if we are not changed by the presence of Jesus, how in the world can our loved ones be through us? God designed us to be a very integral part of Jesus' mission on earth. He designed us with the intention that we would be used to help bring and build the kingdom of God on earth. It's a, it's a part of our makeup. It's, it's, it's in our DNA. We have an opportunity this morning to put a stamp on 2021. We have an opportunity to define 2021 as the year that we will allow God to take us deeper, to use us more, to use more of us to grow his kingdom so that he will draw our loved ones into himself. Because that only happens when we fight our way into the presence of Jesus every single day and commit to a life of submission and repentance in front of him. I love the fact that even before Jesus starts his ministry on earth, he uses someone else to help prepare the way. God enlists John the Baptist to prepare the way for the Lord, to prepare the way for the establishment of the kingdom of God. And from the very beginning, it is and it was God's plan to use his people in this very significant role. This is a, 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 probably a familiar passage to a lot of us. Matthew 3, 2, this is right after the Christmas story. John the Baptist is preparing the way for the, for the kingdom of, of, of God. And he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but oftentimes I've read this scripture passage and thought, John is warning us that Jesus is coming back, so we better be ready. Now, as true as that is, and it is true, uh, that's not exactly what John is saying here. So the Greek word here for has come near is the word engizo. And um, the, the tense of the word that is used here is the perfect tense. Oftentimes we read it in the present tense, but it's not the present tense of the word. The present tense of the word would mean that the, that the kingdom is coming. That it's not here yet, but it's coming but it's actually the perfect tense of the word that is used, which is in geek in, which literally means the kingdom is here. The kingdom has come. It's already here. Therefore, we don't repent to prepare for a time when Jesus will reign. We repent because Jesus already reigns. And he doesn't mean repent one time. He means mark your life by repentance in the presence of Jesus. Church, the kingdom of God has been established. The question is not whether or not God's kingdom will be successful. The question is whether or not we will be a part of it. Forgiveness restores us, but repentance transforms us. Forgiveness washes the slate clean. Repentance allows us to be a part of the mission of God. 
being successful in the eyes of God doesn't mean that we live a life without mistakes. As a matter of fact, I would guess that if you're living a life without mistakes, maybe you're not being actually successful. When we repent, failure becomes part of, of our blueprint to succeed. Now hear me when I say I'm not, I'm not condoning sin. I'm not, I'm not telling you to go do whatever you want because you can be forgiven. That's not uh, what I'm saying. I'm simply telling you that we serve a very creative God who takes the messiness and the brokenness of our lives and he creates something new. Just like he took the nothingness and he created the world, he takes the bad and he turns it into something good. And we each have an opportunity this morning to define 2021. We have an opportunity to be defined not by our failures, but how God uses our failures to create something new, something fresh, something sustainable. We're probably going to make all kinds of mistakes in 2021. We are going to make all kinds of mistakes in 2021. But it can also be the year that we succeed and the presence of Jesus changes us. I thought it would be fitting as we enter the new year to revisit the story of Scripture that All Shores gets its name from. It's from John 21. It's a story of, of radical love. It's a story of Jesus walking alongside Peter in his life journey. It's, it's after the resurrection. And I can imagine that this, the disciples are still in the midst of somewhat of a hangover from the Easter story that has just played out right before their, their eyes. They're probably partially uh, still excited about Jesus rising from the dead. But the other part of them is, is saying, okay, well, what do we do now? Yes, we just go back to fishing. That's what we do best, right? So that's what they do. They're in a boat and they're fishing and they're not catching a thing. And all of a sudden, Jesus pops up on the beach cooking breakfast and he yells out, hey, put your net on the other side of the boat. See what happens. So they do that. They put their net on the other side of the boat. And as soon as they do, they pull up a massive amount of fish in their net so full that they can barely move the net. As soon as this happens, John realizes that it's Jesus. And he looks at Peter and he says, it's the Lord. So Peter does what Peter does. He doesn't think. He just reacts. And he dives into the water and he swims right toward Jesus. Typical Peter. He's always wearing his heart on his sleeve. You can imagine why he's upset a, a few sentences later. When Jesus seems to question his loyalty by asking him three times in a row, Peter, do you love me? A few years ago, I was studying this passage and I, I read through it over and over and over again. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why it was necessary for Jesus to do this. I mean, I'm with Peter. Jesus knows everything. He's the Almighty, He's the Alpha, He is the Omega. If, if Peter doesn't love Jesus, you can sure bet that Jesus knows it. So why does Jesus do it? Then I thought to myself, what if Jesus' question is not really a question at all? 
What if, what if it's a statement? What, what if what Jesus is really concerned about isn't Peter's loyalty? Because after all, this is the same Peter that drew his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus the guard when they arrested Jesus. What if what Jesus is trying to do here is actually to help Peter be successful? What if he's using Peter's failure to accomplish something great for the kingdom? You see, three chapters earlier, Peter does the unthinkable. He tells Jesus that he will never deny him and then denies him not once, not twice, but three times around a charcoal fire for fear of his own life. Peter may wear his heart on his sleeve and he may love Jesus as much as, if not more than all the other disciples. But man, he is human and he fails. He makes mistakes. So here we are, three chapters later, on the beach. Jesus looks Peter in the face, ironically around a charcoal fire. And three times, Jesus says, Peter, take part with me in the greatest mission the world has ever known. Feed my sheep. It's not a question at all. It's a statement. A statement of redemption. Jesus is reclaiming Peter's life. Jesus is saying, Peter, you may have failed and you will fail again, but as long as you keep walking down the road of repentance, I will keep reclaiming your life. Jesus is inviting Peter into a life of repentance. Because it's only in that process of continual repentance and Jesus reclaiming us that we are transformed. That we become something more complete and that we can participate in the greatest mission the world has ever known. Feed my sheep. I believe God is calling us into something greater in 2021. I believe if we are willing to lay down our own kingdoms, we'll be able to see the kingdom of God more clearly. I believe that if we choose to not just settle for forgiveness, but forge ahead into the life of repentance, that God will begin to do things in our lives like we have never, ever seen before. Thad reminded us last week that even in the midst of, of everything that happened in 2020, there were all sorts of things that Jesus did in us and through us to celebrate. And I, I don't know what 2021 holds. I don't know what it will bring. But man, if we are diligent, if we are faithful to keep reentering the presence of God daily, I believe this time next year, we will be overflowing with things to celebrate about 2021. And so that is exactly my invitation for you this morning. I just want to invite you 
to, to use this time right now to simply pray a simple prayer of consecration for 2021 in your life. I don't know what you need to repent of. I'm sure it's different for all of us. Maybe you've kept Jesus at a distance and maybe, maybe you've accepted his forgiveness, but the distance has kept you from being transformed. My hope is that this could be a time for you to simply say, God, 2021 is yours. I'm going to keep coming back into your presence daily. And if I fail, if I fail, I'll be there tomorrow. Maybe you've built up your own kingdoms and your agenda has become more important than God's. This is a time to allow God to break those walls down. Maybe this is the first time you've ever considered repenting in the presence of Jesus. And this is a time for you to just simply receive his grace. Wherever you are at this morning, I want you to know that God loves you deeply, more than you could ever imagine. He's not mad at you. He doesn't want revenge on you. He doesn't want to trick you into, into an aha, gotcha moment. That's not who God is. He simply wants the best for you. He wants to make you whole and new. Let me encourage you to pray now as Stephen sings. And don't be afraid to private message your online host. They would, they're there for you. They would love to pray with you. They would love to chat with you. That's what they're there for. So please use them. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here. I find my rest And without you I fall apart You're the one That guides my heart Lord, I need you
not stand or fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My That, that so often things get in the way and being in your presence is, is it just isn't a priority. But Father, we want to be made new. We want to start off 2021 well and we want to commit to keep coming back into the presence of Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us be committed to tearing a hole in the roof just to get into your presence. We are so grateful for the cross. We consecrate ourselves to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.